Hello and welcome to the fourth and final instalment of the Be So Others Can See mini-series. Um, and in this episode, I'll be talking about um, one of my main drivers and passions and interests, um, which is the decolonization of midwifery education. Um, it's something that I've actually grown to become more conscious of and uh, well conscious of the need for it um, as I've gone as I've progressed throughout my course and also taken on kind of extra done extracurricular bits and bobs so it's something that has really grown as a priority for me um, and I think it's it's definitely something that's going to shape um, my kind of career traje trajectory gosh I can't say that word you know what I'm trying to say um so yeah um so I hope you enjoy um what you hear um and I'll, I really would appreciate some feedback as well so you know if this is something that you'd want to discuss further then hit me up online I tweet um and uh lurk around on insta as well so yeah I hope you enjoy so let's talk about it let's get into it um the decolonization of midwifery education bit of a mouthful um but i'll start off with you know what does that mean what does that mean to me and why i think um it's important uh so one of the things that I became more and more aware of as I um you know when I started the degree and the discussions I would kind of hear see online um and people's responses to certain things that's that was the thing that really got me was uh we've all heard about the embrace report and um the disparities with maternal mortality rates um, in the UK. Um, as a black woman, it was five, um, or I'm now four, it's now four times more likely to die during pregnancy and childbirth than um, a white woman. Um, Asian women um, are twice as likely, um, and um, I, and also, um, sorry, women from mixed heritage backgrounds, um, are, I think it's three, I think it's three times. So basically, if you're not white, you're more likely to die, uh, which uh, that shouldn't be a thing, particularly when you consider that the UK is one of the safest places to give birth to, like, in this whole, on this whole, like, planet this whole big rock that we are living on that revolves around the sun like it's one it's one of the safest places but there's still this glaring disparity and when this was being kind of spoken about or if it was ever brought up you would get that oh my gosh that's terrible oh yeah that's really bad but um yeah anyway and it, and it, and then it would just be like yeah but what you know why why is that why is that a thing um and you know you got that 
responses. Um, oh, it must be something, it must be because there's something wrong. It must be because there's something wrong with, you know, black women or black birthing people, their bodies, like they're more susceptible to this and that. They're more, it's, um, and when you look at that, if you, if you, if that's your reasoning, then you really need to look at why. Why are they more susceptible to these things if that's the reason? Why isn't there being, why isn't there some sort of public health campaign and push for awareness and education to write that, um, to write that wrong? Like, why isn't there anything being done about this? Um, and that really, that's, that, that triggered me. I'm not going to, that triggered me. Uh, like there was just this, everyone's banging on about, you know, this disparity, but nobody's actually coming up with any like solutions or, you know, things to do to actively like work on like decreasing these disparities or, you know, not getting rid of them basically. And um I started thinking about how as students you know as students we are undertaking our, our like university like formal education and yeah we get the air we get the anatomy and we get the physiology oh, well I say we get the anatomy and physiology I still have a bugbear that we only really concentrate on one um pelvic shape mostly which is the gynecoid pelvic shape that bothers me but um, we'll come back to that we'll circle back um and there are things to me I mean in my humble opinion that was that we lacked in our education and um in order for us to become competent and I don't just mean competent in as in oh you can do a VA or yeah you can uh like catheter like you know site catheter like obviously we need those things like you know that's like day-to-day things you need to have down pat but to be fully like you know culturally aware to be uh culturally sensitive and to know that um our bias can affect our care having that awareness um and also just I'm trying to I'm trying to let me just let me just I'm trying to gather my thoughts because I'm getting a bit emotional (laughs) I'm getting a bit emotional I don't want that to cloud like you know the logic logical side of my brain um obviously when you think of like maternity care and midwifery you don't think about racism you know it's not the first thing that pops into your head you know underrepresentation inequality but if you break it down and if you really like kind of like shine your eyes and look these things are what is really affecting care particularly that care the care that's being given to um, um women from ethnic minorities now we have to think of yeah yeah there are multiple reasons as to why there is this disparity um but i really think that one of the key things that we really need to look at and change and improve is um 
our education as student midwives. Um, so throughout like history, we see if you look back on history, the uh, the concept of race, because it's not a genetic thing. Uh, it's a social construct and it was put in place to kind of um, categorise the ruling and I say this in inverted commas, race. Uh, so if you imagine, you know, those like food chain pyramid things right at the very top, you have like the white Europeans, then you have the non-white Europeans, then you have, you know, going down, like basically the darker the skin, okay, the lower down this this like pyramid you wear. And right at the bottom were um, people of black African origin. Um, they were deemed less civilised. They were deemed as... Uh, they were there to be enslaved. They were made for that purpose. And the ones on the top, you know, um, were not. They were the rulers. They were like the they were the people that like that owned uh, enslaved people. And so when you break, when you think about that, and then you really see how that kind of colonial legacy still kind of stands today because our healthcare system, our current curricula, they still reflect those long-standing like legacies because the healthcare system as a whole was not made for, was not made to, to serve, to help people at the bottom of this pyramid. It was made and it was designed by and it was like Designed to help the people at the top. So, the dominant culture is who these 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 systems are serving. They weren't they weren't put in place to serve the the ones at the bottom. And the dominant culture, which in this case is the white population, you kind of see how that plays out in healthcare. And our, the way our education is kind of it's kind of it's standardized and um, we don't take into account our lens is very Eurocentric. The way the lens through which we are taught as student midwives is very Eurocentric, and then that will in turn perpetuate this lack of awareness about you know like simple things like how skin conditions look in in skin in skin tones that aren't white like a really really simple thing that has massive massive implications and these things then that's how things like that can kind of still like perpetuate this kind of lack of awareness and this lack of awareness then leads to failures in the highlighting differences because being aware of people's differences and seeing people's like color like you need to do that you need to be able to do that to provide person-centered care um so describing like I still like it I get so angry every day when I every time I have to do the postnatal checks because you have those kind of proforma stickers and when you like describing the appearance of baby skin and it's like pale or or pink or like not every like not every baby is pink and I refuse I refuse to write pink or like I you know I say a baby's well perfused a baby's well perfused is well perfused 
that not every baby is going to be pink. And it's little things like that, that on the surface, you might think, oh, well, you know, that's just how it is. Um, well, it, it's not, it's, it doesn't work anymore. Like, like our society has become a lot more multicultural, a lot more mixed. You can't be still like, you know, using pro formers that applied to when our society was a lot more homogenous to the society today. It just doesn't work. And so that's like one thing that I, you know, I, I found, yeah, really difficult to kind of deal with and to, I just felt like a bit of injustice, <laughs> a bit of injustice, like student midwives are being done a disservice by, you know, we're, what we're taught is what we're taught, that's fine, cool, um, but what we're not taught has an impact, you know, um, the, that Eurocentric learning, it just reinforces that white Western dominance and privilege. And the sta- and that's reflected in the standardization of our education, not only as um, midwives, but um, like in, in the medical field as a whole. Like it took a black medical student, a student to produce a handbook that showed different like physical presentations of different um, conditions on black skin that came from a student why was it left to a student like and when was that was that like within the last couple of years so very very recently as well so it's like what There are future doctors, nurses, midwives, radio, like, like, enough, enough healthcare professionals are being trained. And then you've got to the end of your training, get out there, you're practicing, you're dealing with people, and you don't know how to identify a condition because this person's skin is not white. Make that make sense to me, please. It, it it's giving it's giving health inequity isn't it really basically that's what that's and that's what this cycle this is what it perpetuates and you know it it irks me it really does irk me because somebody's ethnicity somebody's color the color of somebody's skin should not be a risk factor in whether they live or die okay, like, that shouldn't be it, like, but, you know, that's not the risk factor, the risk factor is this almost compliance with this system of racism, and that's what, racism is a system, it's not just, like, a person or their actions or their thoughts, it is a system, Um, and, you know, we need to be in we need to be better informed as students because it can't be left it can't be left to students to be like putting out resources to be producing resources to be to be the first ones to you know illustrate a black fetus in utero which blew my mind and then when I when I sat and thought about it and really deeped it I was like hold on but 
I'm like, I'm 38 years old and this is the first time in my all my life that I have seen a, a, like an anatomical depiction of a black fetus in utero. That's mad to me. Why is that? Because there are black babies being born every single day on this planet. Like, but yeah, the depiction of it, like, was just like mind blowing to me. That's, that's, I'm sorry, it really doesn't like, ugh, no, it makes, it makes my skin itch. <laughs> it makes my skin itch, you know, and we come back to the whole, you know, um, blaming of the black body and, and turning like, like victim blaming almost, you know, and what that gives me, that's giving, you know, um, physicians back in the day when people, the physicians of um, slave owners um, would blame, you know, um, the enslaved birthing women and their midwives for their, their high death rates, you know, because, oh, they're dirty or they have like superstitious beliefs. Um, Never mind the fact that they lived in horrible conditions. Never mind the fact that they weren't um, uh, like fed properly. Never mind the fact that they had were forced into like an inhumane amount of like labour that they had to do each day. Oh, never mind all of that. No, no, no. It's because they're like dirty and they have like weird like beliefs. That you're that that is basically that's what I'm hearing. You're you're turning it around and blaming a body when really. Th- th- look what that body is being put through on a day-to-day and so th- like that belief that you know black and brown bodies are so different like so like oh are they even human that you see that today you see those kind of thoughts spilling into um current day like current like practice you know, I've been in handover and heard someone say, oh, you know, this lady, um, oh, yeah, it'll be fine because she's she's Caucasian and she doesn't have a funny-shaped pelvis. Like, I'm sorry, but what's funny about a pelvic shape that's not gynecoid? What is funny about that? Like, there's nothing funny about that to me. Uh, you know, there was that study, um, and that was in, like, 2016, where like and they this was a study participants were medical students and residents so medical students and like like junior doctors essentially um and like almost half of these future doctors okay held the belief that black people felt less pain than white people and so they were less likely to recommend analgesia and it and it kind of skewed their um, um, recommendations for appropriate care. Like that's mad to me, because that's not that long ago. And these are people. They're not. They're not like normal average Joe, just everyday people off the street. These are people who are smart. These are doctors, and they still feel that in some way shape or form that black people aren't fully human because that's what it's giving me that's what it's giving me that's what it's that's what that is to me how can you say that they don't feel like do we not have neurons do we not have the same kind of like neural pathways do we not 
are you okay? <laughs> um, yeah, are you okay? Because that, that's not okay. You know, and, and so we need to really look at how things, how that kind of historical legacy like hangs over us today we really need to like acknowledge acknowledge that we need to learn about that we need to acknowledge that and we need to see you know where these kind of things impact um practice today because if, if midwives if students like are just completely unaware of how these things of these things in the first place then how how can we move forward like how can we work to undo these things how can we challenge these things and for me that's when I really started to like dig deep and think you know what what do students actually need and students need a safe space to openly like reflect on things and to acknowledge things that maybe feel make make them feel uncomfortable about themselves but it has to be done because growing isn't growing as a person is not always nice it's not always um it's not always pretty and when you're tackling uh issues such as like racism and you know colonialism and all these kind of things which is not you know it's not nice but burying our heads in the sand and just saying well I'm not racist that's it uh that's not that's not that's not doing anything that's not going to do anyone any favors you know we need to know uh, how to acknowledge our own bias we need to know how these biases whether they are conscious or unconscious that's another argument for another day we need to know that they can affect the way we the way we interact with people and you might not even be aware that you're doing it. It might be a fact that it might be like something as simple as, oh, you know, this person, oh, they don't speak English as their first language and it's harder to communicate with them. So, you know, I'm not going to do the, I'm not going to do the small talk. I'm not going to try and do the small talk. I'm not going to, I'm not just going to do this, tick my boxes, do this, da, 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 and that's it. You're not, you're, you're not providing that level of care that you would ordinarily. It's these little things that add up to uh, impacting somebody's birthing experience, you know, or experience of pregnancy. You know, so our, as student midwives, our education really needs to provide us with, like, a space where we can have these conversations, um, where we are learning about cultural safety and really feeling that we are empowered to you know challenge um challenge behaviors or language that that doesn't sit right with us because that's one thing as a student that you're acutely aware of the fact that you're a student they will always remind you you're just a student like you have to kind of toe the line you have to you know kind of keep your head down and get on with it but that kind of the silence and inaction just make it just it just allows things to carry on it just allows things to perpet that cycle to perpetuate you know um and i think students really need to be supported in this 
Mm. Um, you know, as a, as, I, as a black student midwife myself, I found speaking up really challenging, not only because of, not just because of the action of speaking up, but when you are a black woman, you really have to sometimes dilute yourself down a bit. You have to code switch to a certain extent to not play into or not fall into that angry black woman trope and it's not even that you're being angry it's when you become assertive in any kind of way people will then well certain people will then kind of try and interpret will interpret that as aggression they will interpret that as they they feel threatened and I've heard like student midwives they've been accused of being threatening or being like you know people are like oh they're aggressive and it's because they're simply being assertive or or standing up for themselves or you know not taking like any nonsense from people and so so it's it's like there's layers to it and feeling safe is like paramount for students um so so decolonizing education so for me, I think it's missing things like anti-racism education, um, like frank, open discussions about race and about racism and about how it impacts people's lives, about how it impacts their experience of navigating um well, yeah, navigating life, but also navigating like healthcare, accessing healthcare, because that's another thing. There is that there is almost that you have to navigate how like certain people will gatekeep information, and they won't, you know, they won't even allow you to access certain things because they just feel they or they've already made their minds up that uh, that's not for you. You don't need that, so therefore I won't share that with you, and that's not fair you know, all these little things go towards, like, people's experience, and it has a huge impact from the language that we use to describe people, to describe people's, you know, physical attributes, to um, the, the, the lack of representation, because for me, like, there aren't, there Sometimes I feel, you know, you f- I feel like the the I'm trying to I'm trying to word this to not sound like I'm being extra, but representation matters in and especially in uh, midwifery because I have seen I have like actually I've seen I've walked into a room. And it's like a black woman and their partner, and the 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 way the faces light up, and the way the shoulders relax, it's it's literally you literally see a physiological response to you showing up and being and then and they and them seeing a bit of themselves like in you, having you know that 
understanding that they can just they can just be and it's very hard to explain it's very hard to explain to someone that doesn't get it um I'm really trying to explain it but sometimes it is a, a matter of feeling safe there is that distrust there is an element of distrust with a lot of people actually a lot of members of like a lot of people from ethnic minorities and like healthcare like healthcare in general um and for black people in particular there has been a lot of wayward a lot of wayward behavior when it comes to like medicine and medical research and you know being experimented on unknowingly uh, you know the Tuskegee like syphilis thing which is absolutely disgusting um uh Henrietta Lacks you know like her the like she like yeah Henrietta Lacks and her cells being taken and used without any consent or like uh James Marion Sims and his you know perfecting his procedures on enslaved women without analgesia which makes my stomach turn all these things and then um all these things will have an impact transgenerational trauma is a thing and people need to realize that that is a thing um particularly with healthcare and that's one of the reasons why we need things like black breastfeeding week i remember one I posted about it and it's like well all people should be supported with uh like breastfeeding like yeah 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 all people yeah yeah that's right all people do but do you understand the reason why we need black breastfeeding week do you understand that the effects of transgenerational trauma will affect how black women uh, and birthing people will like perceive breastfeeding like it's tiring it's it's really tiring but I'm not gonna stop until people like I'm not gonna stop I'm not gonna stop until people really start deeping the need for this and there's work being done there's work being done by a lot of people and yeah I just there's a lot to be said for what needs to be what needs to be done for us as students and as midwives and that's one of the reasons why I produced my anti-racism workshop and um I want to, you know, develop it and, you know, make it better and um, really push for engagement with it. I have been contacted by student midwives who, you know, who want to do the work and who, you know, have identified the need for this kind of thing. So that's really encouraging. But yeah I would that's what that's what I'm gonna do I'm just gonna keep applying pressure (laughs) um because I can't not do 
what needs to be done <laughs> basically I've yeah I've now that I've kind of picked um now that I've kind of identified this thing I can't unsee it kind of thing I can't yeah I can't unsee it so that's like a bit from me and about you know what I think and how I feel um and yeah sometimes it does feel like oh you know how like well like (laughs) it's really difficult because you see like online like especially like amongst like other student midwives or like general those kind of like online groups and stuff where people will engage a lot with certain types of posts but then you know if you bring up something like this then it's just tumbleweeds like it's tumbleweeds people will and and I'm generalizing here like you know, I've seen, like, the lack of interest or lack of engagement, I don't know if it's, like, a fear of something, or people just don't want to acknowledge it, or they don't think it applies to them, they're just like, nope, not seeing this, I'm colorblind, everything is fine, it's not fine, stop being colorblind, like, stop it, stop it, (laughs) please, Um, because everybody needs to be, like, in on this work, it's really important that everybody is in on this work. So, yeah. Um, so that's 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 my kind of garbled thinking. <laughs> I hope it made sense. Um, <clears throat> but I have um, some uh, like written contribution that I would like to share, um, and these responses are from two second year student midwives, uh, B and Rebecca. So thank you, ladies, for sending this in. So um, I'll just read it as it is. So I went out with a couple of questions, with a few questions, and I'll just read their responses. So the first question was, what do you think is missing from midwifery education? And how does this impact students and those in their care? So the response was, midwifery education lacks diversity and cultural representation. This has become clear when lecturers have included studies within their PowerPoints, which are predominantly carried out on Caucasian women. The lack of perseverance by lecturers, who are often researchers, demonstrates the absence of interest and lack of recognition and understanding. During NIP courses, there has been no emphasis on how to identify certain conditions such as jaundice and birthmarks on darker skin tone babies. Most lecture PowerPoints and textbooks include photos of white babies with a certain condition or birthmark so that we can visualise and easily identify these in practice. However, it is difficult to do so when, when, uh, of course, when out course and it's when our course and its content is unable to provide photos of ethnically and racially diverse babies to aid our learning. Secondly, a key aspect I believe is missing from midwifery education is the recognition of ethnic midwifery pioneers who have positively impacted history. For example, we fail to acknowledge the true nature of the holistic care approach, which is deeply rooted in many ethnic cultures. This impacts on students as they may feel that their culture isn't being acknowledged or valued in their learning due to the nature of Western society. 
next question was, does representation in midwifery matter? Representation in midwifery matters a lot because it helps to encourage individuals who feel marginalised in our society that midwifery is inclusive for all. This is important because sometimes due to low self-esteem, individuals who may feel disregarded in society due to their race, gender, ethnicity or sex may not seek out opportunities that interest them as they feel they won't be selected because they have, ty they have typically affiliated midwives as Caucasian women. However, representation in midwifery allows these individuals to overcome these anxieties and it gives them aspiration. For example, black people are systematically marginalised in society due to their race. Therefore, if there is an increased representation of black midwives in the NMC as labour ward coordinators and generally flourishing, it gives young black people and students determination that it's possible to climb the hierarchy in their field. A midwife, the term translating to with women, holds such power within its name. We all must be equipped with the skill set and knowledge to provide holistic, person-centred and evidence-based care to women who are disadvantaged. The next question was, in an ideal world, what modules, units or training would you add to the midwifery programme? In an ideal world, I would integrate a module centred around the ethnic pioneers of midwifery practice. I believe this is because I believe this because this would highlight the ethnic representation in midwifery, which isn't always celebrated enough. I would do this by focusing on the following aspects: exploring the history of these ethnic pioneers and how they overcame adversity in society to achieve their greatness exploring their practice and analysing how they demonstrated continuity of care, team dynamics and other key principles which enhance their practice and exploring aspects of their practice that we can now improve or develop further into new initiatives. Secondly, I would incorporate training focused on the impacts of cultural traditions in midwifery care. This would be beneficial as it would promote cultural awareness and respect amongst students and midwives would include the following aspects, understanding cultural rites of passage across the antenatal, intrapartum and postpartum period, and identifying and understanding the process of any practice performed which may enhance medical interventions. Thirdly, in an ideal world, I would equip all individuals going to electives in certain parts of the world with training exposing them to situations they could encounter. This is because many parts of the world do not have access to the resources we are fortunate to have in the UK, so there may be a cultural shock. Thus, the training would consist of developing key skills such as nonverbal communication, how to make fire and food, how to stimulate personal or group debriefs, how to manage certain emergencies with limited resources and also self-care. So thank you very much for those responses. Um, and as you can see, there's so many different ways you can approach um, the, this, 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 this work of decolonizing education because there's so many aspects that we leave out. We leave out kind of cultural practices and we leave out, um, you know, so many different things that... Um, are everyday features in in a lot of people's lives um 
so that was really um thank you so much for those responses I really appreciate that um so yeah that's a discussion um now coming up we have some pearls of wisdom and um I'm not giving you the pearls this time <laughs> you'd be relieved to know um these pearls of wisdom are provided by um Paula Cummings who is a midwifery lecturer um yeah you're gonna enjoy this you're gonna enjoy this because Paula came to talk up the things and that's exactly what she um has done so um take it away Paula Hi, my name's Paula and I'm a senior midwifery lecturer at a London university. To be honest, black and brown people were not represented in any way within the curriculum and minimally within the staff and student body throughout my training 13 years ago. This wasn't something that was unfamiliar to me. In fact, it was the norm to always feel different, out of place and certainly to be made to feel that you needed to take up less room when in certain spaces, which was the majority of the time. And that was the general narrative growing up for me as a black person in the UK. But that was difficult for me to make meaning of as a young person who was mostly shielded from in-depth conversations around racism at home. However, when I qualified as a midwife, I became acutely aware that some of my black midwifery colleagues were facing challenging racial inequalities, which later became part of my own story. The majority of these experiences were covert, yet no less valid as racial experiences and impacted hugely on us as individuals. I joined the Trust BME network at the time and started the work towards fighting against racism in the workplace, but I felt so ill-equipped. I'd never been part of such an important cause and this got me questioning myself. Why wasn't I prepared to face these types of situations in the professional setting? How was I so naive? Why didn't I know that racism would and did exist in the maternity world? So that was definitely the beginning of my journey into understanding the importance of black and brown midwives needing to know how and that they could stand up to racial inequality and that white midwives needed to know and practice it not being okay to condone and perpetuate racial inequality. What I was seeing in practice was midwives with preconceived notions about non-white colleagues ignorance about our culture, food, languages, interactions, work ethics. And I felt we'd almost been set up to fail. We were to get on with the job and ignore the intersectionality that framed who we were as black midwives, the very framework that we were judged by, regardless of how well we performed. And it was only in our heightened performance that some of that judgment fell away. And that just wasn't good enough. So when I became an academic, I saw this as my opportunity to work towards ensuring the curriculum reflected and embraced difference. My starting point was that if I could engage the students in understanding the richness and beauty in embracing different cultures, ethnicities and backgrounds, then they could begin to break down some of those barriers that prevented them from gaining new knowledge and understanding about others. I wanted students to know and acknowledge that racial inequality in it and inequity in midwifery existed and that we needed to work towards changing that narrative. Since the Embrace report came out in 2019, my work has only become deeper and more urgent and cemented my efforts in wanting to decolonize the curriculum. 
Today's students have always been tomorrow's workforce, so it's really important to me that we ensure that the core values of the holistic care that we are teaching includes acknowledgement of bias, racism, all types of aggressions, violations, and the impact this has historically had on black women and birthing people, and that it continues to impact us as mothers and healthcare professionals in maternity services. Staff continue to be unfairly treated and suffer with related mental health, Ill health concerns because of it. And we have to do better. Because we are the people, quite simply. Women and birthing people entering maternity services need to see themselves reflected back at them. Services need to reflect the demographic they are serving. Without this representation, women don't always feel heard or understood and the care they sometimes receive is subpar. So representation is important to me on both sides of the fence. I remember working um, in a predominantly white environment, caring for a community of women and families who didn't look like me because it was the norm in that area and it wasn't ever an issue. However, I won't forget the day that I had the privilege of caring for my first ever black family as a student midwife. I was quietly elated because it just felt so special and so significant and it filled a desperate need that hadn't really surfaced until that point. I happened to visit them postnatally and the joy on the dad's face when he recognised me was priceless. We chatted and continued the bond we had made during the birth. The care I gave them was no different, I have to say, but it was that seeing yourself in the other person that made all the difference. Ironically, um, I visited a family again postnatally some years later as a qualified midwife and found out it was the same family that I'd actually looked after a couple of years before. The joy was immeasurable and the icing on the cake was when they told me they'd actually come looking for me at the hospital when they found out they were pregnant again. In their mind, I was their person, their midwife. I represented them. From an academic perspective, there's nothing like seeing yourself in the classroom. I still remember very fondly my two black teachers from primary school and college, and it meant everything to me. And why is that important? Well, because it, it filled an internal yearning that validates you, and it almost gives you permission to take your place in the professional world. It says that you can, it says that you should, it says glass and concrete ceilings can be broken. Students have confided in me that because of my place as a lecturer, they can see that it's possible. That is an awesome thing to be told and whatever their possible is, they're motivated to achieve it. Also, people need to see that black and brown people do ordinary and extraordinary things on an everyday occurrence. This redresses whiteness and normalises the rhetoric that we are capable and should have the opportunity to occupy spaces that we are not generally invited into. Being in those spaces creates room for us to make important decisions that affect us by us. Representation importantly lifts and amplifies our voices so that we can be heard. As a starting point, I really think it's important to acknowledge the awful historical violence that took place towards black women for the advancement of gynecological and obstetric practice specifically. Having some understanding of the history of how colonisation meant that Anarka, Lucy and Betsy were violently abused as young women because they were not seen as human beings is an important source of knowledge, especially when considering the five times more statistics of today. The ideology of racism has existed for over 400 years, so it's no wonder that the legacy of slavery lives on in the structure of our society as we know it. 
values, belief systems and morals have been built off of the back of racializing people. And to understand that more comprehensively, I think, allows a deeper understanding of why we need to give voice to this history as a means of disrupting the status quo. I also think, including the contribution of black women that led to the advancement of gynecological and obstetric practice is crucial when discussing the history of midwifery. Medicine and midwifery is typically viewed from a Eurocentric standpoint here in the UK. The textbook, textbook sorry, would have us believe that only white people are doctors, nurses or midwives, and that's simply not the case. And it feeds into the conversation again about the importance of representation. Many of us have grandmothers, aunts and mothers who came over as part of that call, the Windrush generation, who made massive, impactful contributions to the NHS post-war. And omitting that information is deleterious. It's exclusionary and it says that our predecessors' contributions don't matter. They weren't important and neither are they highly regarded. It feeds into that narrative that we came over here to take all the jobs, when in fact the NHS would have collapsed had it not been for our contributions. That speaks volumes and it's worth honouring. And that's a really good starting point for opening up conversations about racism, equality, diversity and inclusion for all students and having the opportunity to discuss these topics using real life situations in safe spaces. And that's imperative. We're not doing nearly enough of that. I think there's also a lot of work to be done with us as educators also. I say we as in the collective, we need to be doing the work of understanding what it means to dismantle, disrupt and decolonize. If we can do that, it opens up so much possibility. It shouldn't take for a black or a brown educator to say, can you make sure your presentation slides are representative, please? Or can we dig out the brown arms for cannulation from the back of the cupboard? Can we make sure we use the brown toned mannequins and, and dolls as well? Those are just small things, but they're really important and make a difference to students' learning and the learning environment. Also, we need to stop saying that a well baby is pink and well perfused and discounting wellness based on pinkness. Our textbooks and teaching need to reflect appropriate clinical assessment of a newborn baby with black or brown skin. I love the work of the Nigerian medical student and illustrator Chiribere Ibe, hopefully I've said his name correctly, um, and he's created beautiful illustrations of a pregnant black woman showing a black fetus inside her abdomen. I mean, we've been white-centred and so afraid to speak up for so long that we are only just beginning to break the mould but break the mould we are. Use your voices, use your social media platforms and make sure you're heard. Come together with like-minded people in your cohorts and start forming alliances as that will help you to appropriately challenge and encourage the changes that you want to see. If there's work already happening in your university or your midwifery department, get involved and bring your ideas into the room. The work is necessary and it's actually student voices that lead the way. The change won't happen as quickly without you guys. Thank you so, so much to Paula um, for those really powerful and insightful um, words. I hope that um, that's spoken to some of you. Um, 
that's inspired some of you, that's motivated some of you, because it did all of that for me when I um, when I first heard it. I was blown away, to be honest. Um, so thank you very much again to Paula for that, for those pearls of wisdom. So that's it, folks. That is um, the fourth and final instalment of my Be So Others Can See project. Um, and I have really enjoyed it. It's been hard going because there's been delays and I've been so up and down and like all kinds of stuff from like family bereavement to traveling, having to drop everything, go to Jamaica, come back, um, then completely have like freak outs and crying and placement being sent home because I'm just not with it to to then you know being nominated for stuff and really good stuff happening and then like COVID and knocking me on my backside it's been a lot of up and downs ups and downs um but I made it I persevered and I kept going because things needed to be said and these words that have been said need to be heard um so I if you know anything in this series has really resonated with you resonated with you even tripping over my words now um please do reach out like tweet me like drop me a dm like um I'm always really really happy to engage with other students who um are also you know doing bits like doing bits and doing bobs in their you know locality so um it would be awesome to like put together kind of like a decolonization crew <laughs> that would be amazing and so if you um are up for a bit of like um what's the word collaboration in that regards then yeah hit me up because um there's plenty of work to be done there's plenty of work to go around um so yeah, to close, I just wanted to say to, you know, anyone, whether you are at the beginning of your journey as a student, thinking about it, are in it, um, thinking about like where you're going to end up, you know, um, it doesn't matter how big or how small you think the impact of what you, um, what you do um will will result in it it just matters that you're doing it um so you know take up space you know use your voice um use your influence to further topics that are important to further issues that are important to you you know raise your voice even if it shakes or like me if you like trip over your words (laughs) frequently um you know because you may just be the person that someone else is looking up to. You may be the person that is really inspiring someone to, you know, make a change on their journey, you know. So I implore you to also be so others can see. Thank you for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to support me and the work that I do, you can do so by sharing my blogcast on your socials, leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or by buying me a coffee on Ko-fi. I'll catch you in the next episode.